Romans chapter 5, that's where we are. Verse 6, we are on our 12th lesson, I believe. Um, And this is what it says, starting in verse 6. It says, for when we were still... Bring up up those lights too, by the way, Curtis. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Everybody say this with me. Much more than, much more than, much more than. I love this. Because you're going to be hearing that a lot. It just it jumped out at me. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more. Say it again. Much more. Say it one more time. Much more. Much more. So what is he doing here? He is helping us see that when we didn't even know about the love of God, we didn't, we had no clue about the great love of God. God's love extended to us. And now that we're saved, how much more can we understand and experience? It's just not the salvation of God that we're experiencing, which is the great, greatest of all things uh, a human soul can experience. But now, over and above that experience, there is so much more to the depth of and the greatness of God's love. So, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Or made whole, walk in completeness and wholeness. And not only that, but we rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. In God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have, we have become one with God. So, Father, I thank you for your word tonight. It is so precious. I've looked forward to sharing this word tonight with this group and with those watching. So bless it. Increase our understanding of your great love for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and everyone said amen. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about God's great love for you. I want you to make it personal tonight. I want you to make it real. I know we understand God's love for people. We're always operating in that outward flow, and that's good. God wants us outward, outwardly focused. But tonight, I want you to concentrate on you and the love of God, the great love of God for you. You see, God's love for you is much greater. And I'm experiencing more of God's love than I, I think I've 
ever experienced in my Christian walk of the last 40 years. And it's, it's one of the most amazing things. I can't explain it. I just know it is deeper and stronger than ever. God's love for you is much greater and much more than you can imagine. His care for you, his benevolence, his kindness, his surpassing uh, knowledge, and his love for you uh, can become uh, more of a, a experiential thing than a head knowledge. And this is important because... A lot of us know the love of God, but are we deeply experiencing it? So let me let me share with you the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very intelligent person. He was very uh, well-known in his day. He was part of the Sanhedrin, the 70 elders of Israel, and the council there in the temple. He was one that people listened to. He was a voice of reason you can do your research on that. But in John chapter 3, we read about Nicodemus and how Nicodemus being a Pharisee, a high-ranking leader in, in, the, uh, in Judaism, he was very curious about Jesus. He was very curious about what he was hearing. He was curious about what Jesus was teaching about his miracles and the rumors that he was Messiah. And so by night, Nicodemus was kind of afraid to be seen with Jesus, obviously. And so by night, it says that he came to Jesus and asked him a question. And <clears throat> as Jesus always does, when we draw near to him, we may not have all the right questions, but he's not, he's not too worried about that. We, th we think we need to have information from him, but he's looking at deeper things about us that he wants to reveal to us about him. Somebody, how many, did everybody follow that? Does that make sense? And so here's Nicodemus. He's on the edge of believing. He's right there, and he's seeing, he's comparing the Scripture. You, you can see the dilemma that he's in. And he, he's got to make sure. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, he says, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So there's a, there's a clear path for Nicodemus to walk down. And, and so it's a, it's a, it's a good, um, thought and, and, He's very contemplative about this situation and coming to Jesus. And, and like I said, just, it's, you know, Jesus looks at what we need when we're drawing near to him versus what we're actually asking him about. And, of course, Nicodemus was really asking, you know, hey, are you the Messiah or not? And Jesus knew that. And it's almost like Jesus answers the question but doesn't answer it directly. So Nicodemus, again, he just needed something more than head knowledge. He needed, Jesus knew this, he, he needed more than just, okay, comparing Scripture with Scripture, and that was good. Nicodemus needed to know God's love for him. And how is Jesus going to explain that to him? How is Jesus going to explain that 
to you when you're looking at your life and your circumstances and the fears that we have and insecurities that we have. For viewing God's love from a limited lens, it's very hard for the breakthroughs to happen. So you got to cast those things off. So Nicodemus needed to know God's love for him and how much more, everybody say much more, much more, how much greater and beyond his current understanding the love of God was. So Jesus takes him on this journey in this conversation that happens so quickly. And I've noticed this with God. Some of the most life-transforming conversations that I've had with God happen almost instantly. I mean, it's almost like very, very quickly that that the Lord does it. And it's always about his love and unveiling his heart to us. So Jesus reveals to Nicodemus something he had never heard before. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. (laughs) I mean, what does that have to do? You know, it has everything to do with Jesus says something to Nicodemus that he's never heard. He challenges Nicodemus. And this is what happens as you're preparing to draw nearer to God and and come to the Lord with questions or look for answers. Always know that God is peeling back the layers of your heart and he is showing his love to you. He is showing his love to you. See, You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit, Nicodemus. You must be born from above. This was a part of God's salvation plan. This was a part of God's revelation to man. This is is one of the greatest revelations that we've ever known, and Nicodemus was the first to hear it. And so when you're drawing near to God, you may not get the answers that you're seeking. You're You're going to get answers Yeah, he'll answer those, but you're going to get answers about his love and about who he is, and that takes you deeper and gives you greater understanding of his love as you're seeking him. He's making a new creation out of you, Nicodemus. You must be born again. The Spirit of God is wanting to come on the inside of you and dwell with you and be with you and transform your life. God's much more love, his greater love is after you, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus doesn't hear any of that. He just scratches his head. He said, how can, how can a man be born when he's old? And so <clears throat> these treasures that, that we know as reality now, Nicodemus, one of the great minds of his day and of his, the religion of his day, did not understand it. And then Jesus takes him through the crucifixion. He, he says, not only do you need to be born again, and, you know, and he's revealing the love of God to Nicodemus, the much greater love that Nicodemus even realizes he needs. And that's, that's the point of this, this passage in the book of Romans that I just read. Nicodemus, the son of man, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be crucified. Nicodemus isn't understanding any of this. He's, he's scratching his head. And, and, but as you see this unveil, you're going to know as it comes to pass what it's all about. It's all about the love of God. And isn't that what Paul was talking about? 
the, the crucifixion, the death of Christ for us while we were yet sinners. And this is, this is the powerful revelation that is happening to Nicodemus. And then Jesus breaks into what we know as John 3.16 and the much more love that Nicodemus was just oblivious to, and most of us are even still now, but we know much of what Jesus was talking about here. For God so loved the world. That is a that is a much more kind of love. Somebody say amen. <laughs> For God so loved the nation of Israel. Yes, he did, but the world, all nations, all people, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so Christ's love for Nicodemus, he's realizing, I don't know if it was dawning on him or not, is much greater than he can imagine, and God's love for the world is much greater than he can imagine. And and this goes right in and and. Uh, sets our heart in that before, while we were still weak, while we didn't know, Christ was doing things for us that we didn't quite understand. And Nicodemus didn't understand the much more, the much greater love of God uh, at this time. But Jesus was still, he was dropping these things in Nicodemus's heart. Sometimes if you try to figure life out, let me say this, and what I mean by all that is this. Sometimes if you try, if I try, if we try to figure life out with a limited view of God's love for me. In other words, I'm looking at life and the things that are happening to me, and I'm judging God's love for me based on the situation that I'm in. And that is not the way you, you are to look at those things as an opportunity for faith to press through those hard times, always experiencing the deep, deeper side, the much more, the greater love of God for you that he will not, he will not allow anything to pass through his loving hands unless it is first, uh, and foremost for his glory and your good. Somebody say amen to that. So Jesus revealed to Nicodemus these truths. And, and so if we try to figure out, you know, God's love like Nicodemus was scratching his head uh, uh, concerning the love of God our, uh, our, and, and the love of God for others, for that matter, our fruitfulness and our faith gets a little stunted if we're all the time limited by what what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. Don't let your feelings uh, drown out or stunt the love of God in your heart. Jesus reveals to Nicodemus the secret truths that, that would demonstrate God's eternal love for all of mankind and would change the world forever. God is revealing to you and to me and to all of us in this season, especially as we remember the coming, uh, the advent of Christ, much more dimensions of the Father's love, the much more dimensions, the layers, the, the fullness, the deepness of the love of God right now. So at the end of this conversation with Nicodemus, Nicodemus is speechless. 
He didn't understand some things. He might have understood other things. And sometimes I'm speechless. I just stand speechless in the presence of God and say, Lord, how, how could these things be? How could you love me so much after all my failures, all of my sin, all of blowing, every, all the things that I've blown in my life and messed up? But Lord, yet your love is much more than I could ever imagine. Psalm 31 verse 19 says this, Oh, how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. Hallelujah. So here's the question. Are you limiting your understanding of God's love because of your current circumstances? Do not look at the current circumstances, the current issues, the burdens, and judge the love of God. It's far greater. In fact, it supersedes everything. In fact, God is already working on your behalf to bring you through all that because that's part of his, his love for you. But he wants you to experience his full love in those troubling circumstances, those trials, uh, the, the rejection, um, or whatever it might be. And like Nicodemus, the Spirit of God within you is teaching you and imparting to you, revealing these, this truth, these secrets about God's love for you, his much greater love for you, deeper than you could possibly imagine. The apostle Peter was, after they arrested Jesus, I, I, I think about these great men, I think about what, what they went through, and I think about them like, in real human terms. Peter, Peter was Jesus' best friend, really. And, and, you know, he was always right there. He was the one that was saying, I'll, cut, I'll, I'll use my sword, Lord, if I need to, uh, if they arrest you, if they come after you. But, but notice this. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him. And Peter tried to, you know, push through all of that. But he did. He denied Jesus. And in his denial of Jesus, can you imagine how he must have felt, how miserable he was? The Bible tells us that Peter wept bitterly, and certainly shame was, was, was overcoming his, his mind and his heart. And so Peter must have thought, it's over. It's over. There's nothing I can do. I'm ashamed of myself. How can I have denied Jesus like I did? And so Peter's greatest failure, his deepest, darkest valley, in that place of darkness, he needed to see and experience. And Jesus knew this. He needed to experience the greater, much more dimension love of God's uh, care and his diligence toward him. So... We know the story. Jesus was crucified. Peter denied him, and, and Peter went and hid himself, wept. Jesus laid in the tomb for three days, and Peter's darkness got worse and worse. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? Do you ever feel like, oh my goodness, am I ever going to get out of this valley? Am I ever going to get out of this despair? And, and, and the Lord says, yes, you are. You are going to overcome this. Amen? It's true. You're going to. So... Three days after three days, Peter faced 
his, his greatest opposition, which was himself, his deepest, darkest pain, his deepest, darkest hurt, his denial of his best friend. And so Jesus knew that. And Jesus, knowing that Peter is a key part of his, his future ministry, he goes after Peter. And Peter comes face to face with the resurrected Christ, the much greater and much more love of God. And, and Peter was changed. And this is the story in John chapter 21. You know, they, this was between the resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit. For 40 days or, or how many days or weeks, Jesus was ministering to them and working with them. They met him in Galilee, and, and the disciples were there in Galilee. All the disciples were experiencing uh, the Father's love and the breakthroughs and, and feeling that, oh, the, we're, we haven't lost hope. But I have to, I have to when, when I tell you about this, next part of Peter's story, I have to believe that there was still the pain in Peter that, that um, he had denied Jesus the way he denied him. And, and that there was still this pain, this uncertainty that he, that he couldn't really be trusted with everything that the Lord wanted to give him. And so the Lord just deals with Peter on the shores of Galilee. Hallelujah. And Peter is asked by Jesus, while still, no question, needing inner healing. He's needing healing on the inside for future ministry. Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me more than these, he says. And he asked Peter three times. And why did he, why, why did he, what was the point of Jesus asking only Peter? Because there were wounds there. There was, there was an emptiness there. There was something that, that Peter needed healing from. And so Peter was, this wounds, these, this unwillingness, to fully experience the love of God. I don't know what it was, but there was something there. And sometimes it happens to us. You know, we, we, we fail and we want to serve God, but then, you know, we just don't give it our all. No, God wants it all. He wants your whole heart. And so Peter says to Jesus the first time, he says, you know I love you, Lord. But that word love there is not the love that Jesus is looking for. There's, there's several uh, words about the love in, in the Greek and Hebrew, and one of them is brotherly love. I love you like a brother. You know, like, you know, how the Bengals must love each other now on a six-game winning streak. Hallelujah. And let's just keep that going. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm so glad for agreement. And, and so Jesus, so Jesus responds to Peter with these words. He says, feed my lambs. So I have to believe that Peter was uncertain about his role in the future, that because he had denied Jesus, there was this pain, this uncertainty. And how many know that 
that the best way to heal wounds and concerning the Father's love for you or your disappointment in yourself or whatever is action. The best move forward is action. In fact, I am convinced that if we would take more action in moving forward instead of waiting for things to happen to us even more, doubting God or doubting ourselves, if we would just take action, this is the action. Peter, if you love me, you will, you will be with my people. You will be the leader that you're supposed to be. Hallelujah. Amen. So he asked him again. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, again, he, you know, he just, I, I phileo you. Lord, I, I have a brotherly love for you. Jesus is digging. No, Jesus wants the agape love, the unconditional love, the love that is abandoned toward God. Doesn't matter about your insecurities. Doesn't matter if you feel qualified. It doesn't matter. No, it does not matter. God is going to equip you. He's going to train you. He's going to develop you to be the mom, the dad, the, the co-worker, the leader at work, the leader at church, whatever it is. He's going to equip you. He is the God of promotion. He is the one that brings. Man doesn't bring promotion. God brings promotion to your life. Feed my lambs, Jesus says. And then he says, and the second time, do you love me? And Peter responds, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And then the third time he asks a question. He said, do you love me, Peter? Peter's all frustrated by now because he can't muster this out. And when I talk about the much more dimensions of God's love, when, when the Lord is drilling down on me, all I need to do is just say, yes, Lord. Somebody say, yes, Lord. Just yes. Yes, Lord. I want your will. I want the path forward. And so I don't want my own understanding of things. He says, tend my sheep this time. Not just feed them, not just feed my lambs, just not feed my sheep, the, your little ones, the little ones, and the adult ones, but also tend to them, be with them. See, again, when you, when you hear the heart of Jesus, if you love me, you will love the brethren. Somebody say amen. People say, well, I love God, but they never do a thing for the brethren. Never come to church, never give to the kingdom of God. Well, I don't need the church. Well, that is the most wrong statement I could ever make. If, you know, if I love God, how can I not love what he loves? Come on, somebody. And so Jesus was healing Peter with his much more much deeper than Peter could understand. I mean, he is just taking Peter on a journey to heal his heart and get him ready for the day of Pentecost. How many know your best days are ahead of you? Let me say that again. Your best days are ahead of you. Hallelujah. I'm sick. I'll be 61 in just a few days. And I'm saying that to myself. I'm saying my best days are ahead of me. My strength will grow. I will grow stronger, wiser, more willing, more full, more anointing, some, uh, more anointed than ever before. Somebody say amen. 
We got much more people to pray for, many more demons to cast out because Jesus wants us tending the sheep. He wants us loving him, but in response, the, the more I love him, the more I'm going to love people. Amen. So Jesus was healing Peter and, in, and encouraging him, Peter, don't hold back. Do what I've commissioned you to do, what I have ordained you to do. And what is it? God's love for Peter was far deeper, much greater, much greater than he could have imagined. And so now he had to share it. This is the key. I can't keep all of this to myself. I love coming here. I love sharing the word of God. This is my calling. This is what I love to do. I have to give it away like Jesus did through a sacrificial life. Once you experience the depth of God's love for you, you you have to turn it around. You can't keep it to yourself. You've got to give it away just like Jesus did. The Apostle Paul was another one of those. Started off miserable. I mean, just an arch enemy of Christ, Saul was, Paul an arch enemy of the gospel. But his encounter with Jesus changed all that. We know that. I love this story because it really shows the much more love of God. The extent that God will go to to take you from self-pity or whatever it is, self-loathing, into a more fruitful place in your heart, in your thinking, in your life, in your in your. Uh, fruitfulness for him. And so Paul needed a much greater experience than he was having as part of the Sanhedrin himself. If anyone was transformed by the much more dimensions of God's love, it was Paul. And so on the road to Damascus, we know the story, Paul found himself confronted with Jesus himself. Hallelujah. Paul's going there to persecute the very ones that Jesus has saved. And Jesus reveals to him this. He says, Paul, why do you persecute me? And and Paul says to the Lord in this conversation, after after he's knocked off of his horse and on his face in the dust and dirt. Um, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Why do you kick against the goads, against the points, against the thorns? You're hurting yourself. Somebody say amen. And sometimes our words, sometimes our actions, we are just hurting ourselves. Quit kicking against things that God doesn't want you kicking against and get into the stream, into the flow of God's love, loving people, loving people all the time, everywhere, everywhere you go, loving people. Somebody say amen. Because when you're loving people, you're loving God. You're loving God. When you love your spouse, you love your children, absolutely you should. But love them deeper. There's deeper dimensions of God's love for that. Somebody say, there's much more. There's much more healing for you. Like Peter needed the healing. He needed healing on the inside. He couldn't minister well. He couldn't do anything. There was nothing there. He had nothing there because he had disappointed himself, disappointed his brethren. His brethren remembered it was so fresh in their mind. So Peter, in front of everybody, 
everybody. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, feed them, feed them. Love them. And here Paul, Paul is about to become the greatest apostle that ever lived. Paul doesn't know this. He has no clue what's about that. And this is the much more, the much more than uh, the great love of God. God sees what we need and he takes us right where we are and he begins to shake everything up and then bring us out of all of that mess. Somebody say amen. I didn't know the love of God. I, I, I still don't know if I know the dimensions of his love, but I'm enjoying finding it out. Just like I said, I, I'm, I'm enjoying Jesus more than I think I have in my entire Christian life. Somebody say amen. It's so good. And I'm just, and the reason why is because I'm not beating myself up. I'm not kicking against the things Jesus doesn't want me kicking against. Quit beating yourself up all the time and start saying things about yourself and about how much God loves you and how much you're going to pour on other people and see how your life changes. Somebody say amen. So on the road to Damascus, Paul found himself confronted by Jesus in the dirt. Here's the voice of Jesus, and we know the story. I just said it. And so Paul was... He was the least likely person, least likely candidate to become the great, a great apostle, but God's great love. Hallelujah. Already he had persecuted, not only persecuted, but witnessed and consented to the death of one of Jesus' key and beloved uh, disciples, Stephen. But God's great love is, is beyond all of that. Can you imagine? If that were you or I, we would want Paul jailed. We would want him in prison. He's just consented to the death of an innocent individual. How deep is God's love that he would save the one who was a persecutor of Christians? How deep? is God's love and turn him into a promoter of God's love and God's gospel. And so if anyone understood these words, come on up here, Dave, I'm, I'm almost done. If anyone understood the words that I read at the beginning of this message from Romans chapter 5, verses 6, starting there. It was Paul the Apostle, the very one who wrote them. Paul gets up out of the dust. He's blind, but now he sees. Somebody say amen. <laughs> it, was, it was for the blind man. What was it? I was blind, but now I see. Paul, was, Paul could see, but now he was blind. But he didn't stay blind. We know God sends a man. To Paul, bless his heart, Ananias. And Ananias is saying, Lord, you know who this man is. Yes, I know who he is, but I'm changing him. I'm saving him. I'm putting him on a path. He's experienced the deeper, greater love of God than he could have ever imagined, the forgiveness of God, and I'm going to send him to the nation. Somebody say amen. This is what the love of God does. 
So Paul wrote these words. Let me read them again for you. Bring those lights down, Curtis. For when we were still without strength, in due time, when we had no knowledge, when we had no strength, when we couldn't experience it, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It was a much greater love than we could have ever imagined. Much more than. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. <laughs> for if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God, having been reconciled, shall he not save us by his life now? Somebody say amen. And not only that, Paul says, but we also rejoice in God. We're rejoicing in him now. Whereas we didn't understand and we're seeing his love through our lens, through what's happening to us, our victim mentality, our poverty mentality. Well, God, if you love me, I wouldn't be going through that. No, no, this is what you do. You experience God's love and you break out of all of that junk because you're, you're seeing the love of God for you. You're seeing the path forward. If he did all of that when you were lost, ungodly and an enemy of God, how much more is his love being poured out but opening up doors and blessing for you and I? And so are you accessing or limiting the much more of God's love, the, the dimensions of God's love that you don't even know about yet. I want to be open to all of it. Somebody say amen. I, you know, I, I want you to be open to all of the dimensions that he's going to reveal to you during this fast, during these drawing near days, during going after him and let him heal your deepest hurts. Let him wash away all the self-loathing and all of the insecurities and all the disappointments, the sorrows, the rejection, all of it. And, and, and meet you at your deepest point of need. Ephesians chapter 3 sums it up. And this song that I've asked Dave to end with tonight will bless you as well. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says, Christ may dwell in your heart through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of God, which passes knowledge, will never exhaust it, that you may be filled with what? All the fullness of God. Hallelujah. Before I took